Amsterdam is on Netflix. Yeah. It was in the top 10. It's And, um, and it's been there for a couple weeks now, I feel like, because it's, yeah. I think it's at least two weeks in the top 10. Yeah. And it's just the first few seasons, but it's like, it's killing it. Um, so the the current series, I think, just ended, which I think is also driving maybe some of the interest is that like, it's suddenly available on Netflix. So maybe people are like hearing about it. I don't know exactly what's happening, but it's like suddenly in the air. And there was also a tweet I saw that went viral of a video from of a, of a clip from the premiere of the pilot where Bloom Dr. Bloom and Dr. Reynolds are walking and talking about their relationship and then Dr. Reynolds tells Dr. Bloom that he wants to be marrying a black woman. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do remember this. <laughs> <laughs> they that excerpt that conversation someone like recorded it on their phone or something. It's very janky like recording of a screen. They posted it to Twitter or or maybe it was a TikTok, whatever it was. But it went viral on Twitter. And it was so interesting because I was like, first of all, these people don't know. They don't know what's <laughs> What is this the is discourse the- around it? Is it like positive or is it like, oh, this is cringe? Like what's the Well, discourse? it was interesting because the original tweet was taking his side and said something like, wow, I'm speechless. And then all the comments were like, yes, lifting black women. And like, wow, I want to see more of this from black men. And then somebody else retweeted that, you know, quote tweeted that saying, being like, are you kidding me? Actually, this made me side with the white woman. What the hell? You know, and then there's this whole back and forth. A lot of people were discussing just like the quality of writing, but like also a lot of it was just a debate over, you know, that whether this is like a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and it's like, oh my gosh, for having discourse about New Amsterdam. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, I remember us kind of, I I remember us kind of feeling like it was, our, our gripes weren't with the, with like the idea of the conversation. It Mm. it was, as you said, the writing, it was like, like there was no explanation. And so it like, it did it, it did his perspective a disservice and, um, and I'm sure Blooms as well. It, it was a kind of a weird scene, I think, when we saw it. But I, I guess if it's sparking a larger conversation, even if the writing isn't good, it's it's good to have people talking, I guess, about that stuff. Yeah, exactly. That is good. I'm so I'm on I'm on TikTok, and I've also been seeing New Amsterdam discourse. Um, really? But it's been and it's also been like surprisingly positive. People this, understand uh, greatness. People, yeah, understand. they they get it. Um, I follow this like a d- deaf creator, and mm-hmm. he like he'll like review basically like portrayals of ASL and and like just sort of mm-hmm. portrayals of that in, in the media on TikTok. So. so he he was happy with the portrayal. Yeah, I think. I mean, there were certain things like he points. He notices things that I just would never notice and like mm. like the her mm. she has a translator who's a, a she has a male translator and he's like this is like a common thing like this is sort of this inter- not like for necessarily like she is a deaf person but she might she, what she probably experiences that like at, when she has a male translator she mm-hmm. gets more respect like it's it's already hard to have to work oh. through a translator but if you yeah. have like a woman translator then it's going to be even harder to like speak and have have your voice heard and so like it's just i think it's you know it's good to have it's good to like i think follow creators like with, di- with these di- di- different perspectives because they pick up on these things and call these things out that i just would never have like thought about you know like, yeah oh, that's, that's an really interesting, interesting um phenomenon that i i just didn't know about Yes. Yeah, that is very interesting. Interesting things. The yeah. last thing I do want to say, though, for this episode, because we mentioned you were like, wow, all this positive like reactions on TikTok and things. Um, 
when I was talking about this podcast at work, one of my coworkers on the call is apparently a huge fan of New Amsterdam. Really? Like, at first, yeah. And she was like, oh my God, I love this show. And I usually when people recognize this show, it's in the context of like, my mom loves this show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You as an under 50-year-old person love this show? <laughs> right, right. She she loved it. Like she's like, she's a genuine fan. I showed her the picture of us with the mugs. She was no so way. excited. I showed her the signed photo. Like I, she was so excited. And then I asked her, I was like, what do you love about it? Like, what what do you really enjoy about it? She said, um, it just shows how much a, like a single act of kindness can go. Oh. And I was like, that's such a sweet summation of like the of the like mission statement. It you is know? it is a very like optimistic show, I think. You know, like the characters all have good hearts and they mm-hmm. all make they make they have like their demons. That's so like earnest and lovely. And then that's also why I like did not push her to listen to this podcast because I was like, this is We're gonna ruin it for this her. is actually not your you're actually <laughs> I would love to talk about the show with you, but also at the same time, you are not the target demo for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, like, like from what, like, from that statement alone, maybe she doesn't necessarily see the humor that we see. But there are yeah. things that I unironically enjoy. Yeah. But also yeah, yeah. know are silly. Like, I... Yeah, like, we also, there's so much to, like, roast, you know what I mean? But not yeah. because it's, like, I don't know. Does it come from a place of hate? No, no. We would not spend the hours that we spend no. if we really if we really couldn't stand it. And there are these things like I you know some some episodes we watch we're like, "Damn, that was heavy and not that funny, but like yeah. really good." <laughs> Can't really say much. That's true. When the episode is really good, if anything, it makes this podcast like hard. Yeah. And that happens sometimes. We're like, "Oh, that was actually kind of well done and um a really hard mm-hmm. topic to tackle, so well done, I guess." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, by the way, in case you couldn't tell, this is Damnation, the podcast recapping the hit NBC <laughs> medical drama New Amsterdam, and I'm Emily Sen. And I'm Polly Feldman. This one, I I wonder I'm curious how we're gonna get into this one, because I felt like this one was like I think there was like one plot. It was Max's plot, I can just say. There's Max's <laughs> plot that was like silly town. Like so Puppies. silly town. Yeah. <laughs> So before we get into uh, our A-plots for today, let's just talk about the cold open because I feel like those are always a little bit separate. Our cold open was about Iggy Frome mm-hmm. being he's, – he's at a doctor's visit, presumably just a primary care physician, just a regular doctor. But I was very confused because the doctor is not doing what I think normal doctors do. I don't know exactly where he was, but we were confused. She, the doctor is giving him advice and giving him recommendations mm-hmm. for like a food therapist. Yeah. But for the checkup – he gets completely naked, and then the doctor just starts, like, pinching and squishing, like, places where there's fat on his body, and then, like, measures it with something. I was like, this doesn't seem... It was almost, like, eerily similar to when that, like, that that one episode where he was, like, describing the trauma with his dad, you know, yeah. like, having to get naked. Or, I don't know. Point. It was... I'm not really sure if he's seeing the right doctor. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I didn't like that. Like, uh, sure. I've, but ba- I've... basically, he's not going. He's not doing the things he said he was going to be doing. Like, he's not going mm. to um, a support group, and he's not logging the things he said he was going to log. And so the doctor is frustrated and wants him to get a a person to help him uh, monitor his food more closely. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully he's going to get the help he needs and then also get someone who is, like, not this woman and we don't <laughs> yeah. see her again. Yeah. Okay. So main plots for this one. The the catastrophe that we're solving today is that um, Sharp has now 
run into um, Max in the hall, and she announces that we are low on blood. Mm -hmm. The hospital's facing a blood shortage, blood donation shortage. No one's donating anymore. We also find out it's a citywide problem. Other hospitals are, like, diverting patients because they don't have blood. Um, Sharp announces this to Max and is like, we're we're basically one big accident away from a catastrophe um, because we're we're just about out, so we need to do something. And he's like, great, I'm going to have a blood drive, and it's going to be excellent. As he's walking around the halls and we're, we're listening to that fast jazz, uh, he runs into this woman we've seen a couple of times who's from Billing. I think anytime we have someone get sent over from the Billing department, she ends up being the person, like the representative. <laughs> um, we see her with a box. She's been fired from budget cuts and things. And she's just walking past Max and he says, hey, hey, like, where are you going? And she's like, well, downsizing, you know, I Got to go, like, beg on the street for money. How am I going to pay my rent? Something, something, something. And then Max is like, how would you like to be my executive assistant? First order of business, you're going to organize a blood drive. And she's like, okay. And so then that's that. I, I missed a bit of this dialogue, but did I miss anything crucial? Or is that no, really what happens? That's he, literally okay. what happens. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and we also don't know much about like, – I we she's a little bit familiar, but I guess the assumption is that, like, Max thinks she does good work. Because he just has hired her as his assistant, and he is the head of. I mean, like, he's he, the medical director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, i I would love to think that this means that he he thinks she does good work, but honestly, Max loves to hire people anyway, just like <laughs> yeah. as a principal. Uh, that's a good point. That's a fair point. So we actually don't know. <laughs> but yeah, she. I don't know what her name is, but she sounds like Aubrey Plaza. So in my mind, I'm just going to keep calling her. Yeah, Aubrey and that's Plaza. the character. It's like um, really pessimistic. Um, Max goes to tell Sharp that he has, like, solved this problem. He's very excited about it. He walks in on Sharp kissing Daniel Day Kim's character. Mm -hmm. And he's upset because he is jealous, obviously, and also didn't know that they were dating. So I think it's a bit of a shock. Yeah. And he's kind of stunned and sort of mutters something. She's like, do you want to talk about the blood drive? Like, are we going to organize it? And he's like, I, I have to go something. I don't know. And then, like, shuffles away. Yeah. You know, which, the way adults do. which like so 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 yeah we were like making fun of it and like you made the point like that's literally how like high scores act and i was like yeah that's like so true but at the same time i'm honestly like i was like but yes but i want this like i mm -hmm. i actually feel like maybe they've been too professional <laughs> lately and <laughs> i am like when you're professional and you have a crush on someone Nobody knows because you're professional and you keep it to your goddamn self. But now that they're acting right. like children and he's like getting uncomfortable, I love it. We're so I'm actually kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'd be like from a standpoint of like, it, you know, if I were a coworker or something, I'd be like, this is an inappropriate behavior. But like yeah. as a viewer, we're yeah. delighted. Right. As HR, I'd be bummed. As a viewer, I'm very, I'm very pleased. Yeah, yeah. exactly. As you know, we have to like wear both hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing this fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's also going to split up Max and Sharp for like most of this episode. She's going to have her own plot and then Max is going to have his own plot that we are going to circle back to where he's organizing the blood drive with Aubrey Plaza. Mm -hmm. But Sharp is going to have one of the main plots for this episode. So meanwhile, while this is happening, we cut down to the ER. Dr. Bloom, who's head of the ER, is giving a tour to Dr. Reynolds, who was the cardiothoracic surgeon, was the head of the cardiothoracic thoracic department, mm -hmm. um, left for some big promotion in Sandy, in San Francisco, comes back and doesn't really have an opening, and now seems to be working in the ER. Under right? Bloom. Yeah. Under Bloom. So this seems like a demotion, yes? 
Yeah. I mean, I, from head of the of the surgery department to like working under the head of the ER. Definitely a demotion, also a different department. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he there? <laughs> like also, he's wait, doing like blunt force trauma injuries and he's like he's a heart doctor. <laughs> yeah. Like what are you doing? <laughs> Reynolds is taking all this in stride, I got to say. Yeah, he's being a real, like a really good sport. Um I mean, <laughs> he he's definitely going to blow up. Like there's definitely we, we can get to it, but like Bloom is, you know, Bloom is Bloom, and so and she, she so she's like, uh, she doesn't mince words, and she's kind of like snapping at him a lot. I'm sure he's gonna get fed up and and mm. uh, express his displeasure at this demotion. Um, I would love to see that, honestly. Yeah, I think it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> um, so he, so he's getting the rundown, and Bloom is basically trying to explain that the ER runs differently from like an OR, and at some point. Someone's like, we're out of bioproximine or something. Like, someone calls out, like, we're out of so-and-so drug. And she's like, I got it. And then she jumps up on the counter and then pushes up one of the ceiling tiles. Yeah. And then pulls out a Ziploc bag that has a box of of drugs in it and then tosses it to the nurse who walks away with it. And Reynolds is like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. And she's like, oh, we. this is our, like, sometimes the pharmacy runs out, so this is our secret stash that we have to use sometimes. And Reynolds says is that legal? And she answers, don't ask. It's it's the Wild West down in, in the <laughs> ER. It's wild. How would you respond? Polly, you, you work in safety. <laughs> I feel like you, you have also particular, I mean, like, how would you okay, res- So there's like two responses. There's my real response. And then there's like okay. my TV. And then there's like my TV response, like how I would want me as a character to react. And me as a character is like totally cowboy and is like, yeah, and like, and then like pulls out my own stash. And I, and I kind of, <laughs> you have your in, own. in reality, I would be very alarmed and probably asked to speak to a supervisor like about what I just saw and, and, and make like a witness <laughs> statement. Um, I love Cowboy Polly. <laughs> That's a great response. Hell yeah, I have my yeah, own. I pull it you out like of my, have it yeah, under like, like a jar. Knapsack. Oh, behind all these pages, <laughs> more drugs. Board, it's just like several lines yeah. of cocaine. Uh. Like that would be a cool character. <laughs> that would be a cool character. As as she's showing him around, patient comes in. Um, a car accident. Mother daughter has been in an accident. The daughter is going to need lots of blood. The mom is doing relatively okay. So immediately, Bloom also realizes the problem and calls Max and is like, "Okay, we are officially out of blood. Um, this doesn't actually." She ends up being fine, so I don't really know what happened. But basically, they're going to ask the mom to donate blood if she's mm-hmm. in match, um, yep. which makes total sense, right? So they're they're completely out. Sharp uh, takes the blood from the mother, and I don't know why Sharp is involved, um, but we need her to be in the subject. So <laughs> she comes along, and she's going to take blood from yeah. the mother, and um, she notices something is weird, like weird in the readings, and then she... I think she says it up front where she's like, I, is she, a, is your daughter mm-hmm. adopted? Is your daughter, was it, you know, in vitro? Like, a surrogate, yeah. What's going on? And the mom like is, yeah. yeah, surrogate, yeah. And the mom is like, no, no, no. I did it myself. This is definitely my daughter. It's 100% my daughter. And then Sharp, like, has a look on her face and then reveals that basically it's impossible that they could be related. I think, I think it's something about the blood types that first sets her off is like, Maybe she I mean, knows some what the are like is. some are aren't like some recessive. So like if if yeah, if she knows the dads or or some or some are like if you don't have two parents with it, then there's no way in that 
pun and square that you would get it, you know? I see. <laughs> the pun and square. Those? Oh, my God. Look at you. High look school. at you. Um, oh, my God. Isn't it so great that you're a chemist or, or yeah, geneticist? Yeah. <laughs> also – yeah, also, also that, the, you're a chemist. that I'm a chemist, and I don't know if we are recording, but um, listeners, we we're also uh, art lawyers, <laughs> and we Emily and I at the start of oh yeah, we don't have to explain the yeah. context, but yeah, we also so are know. art lawyers. <laughs> Two new professions for you to to learn that we have. Um, we are disgraced yeah. art lawyers, <laughs> as we always are. Um, <laughs> we, are these, we are really bad con men <laughs> with a lot of degrees. <laughs> um. So pun and square. Yeah, so Sharp does her pun and square <laughs> and realizes that the mom can't be biologically related to right. the daughter, but the mom insists that she must be. So at first, you and I were like, switch to birth. Yeah. Right? We like, yeah. that's where and we And that's also where, that, that's also where Sharp goes. She says that. She's like, you're saying I didn't give birth to my daughter? And she's like, no, I feel like you gave, I believe you that you went through labor, um, but you might have been switched to birth. Um put a pin in that and then we're going to get to from speaking of stories about someone insisting that something Oof. happened to them and this maybe they didn't yes um, well, like done. The transition? well done from as child psychologists do uh is organizing group therapy mm-hmm. between veterans uh one man starts talking and he gives a monologue and you know i'll be honest when he's giving the monologue i even kind of thought that it was there was something about it that felt mm-hmm. a little trite to me i'm gonna be honest like Mm-hmm. You know, back in Afghanistan, I was traveling with a convoy. We got hit by an RPG. And like all I could think about, you know, I survived. I jumped out of the vehicle. But all I could think about was getting to my brothers and sisters. And then I couldn't. And the smell of burning flesh, oh, it, it haunts me to this day. I called a medevac, but it was too late. And then – and then what happens? Then Holly? another one of the veterans stands up and shouts something along the lines of like, you liar, and punches him in the face – and basically says, um, there's no way you were really a, uh, a soldier. Um, you, like, the, what you've described does not follow the protocol that we all have been taught. And so there's no way you could have actually been in Afghanistan or served. Yeah, like, you're a fraud. Frome is obviously freaking out and um, uh, pulls the man aside and takes him to his office and, and asks him, you know, so what's going on? And he sort of approaches it like – with the assumption that this this man has lied, right? He's sort of like, I understand you can do it for attention and whatever it is. Like, what is it? What are you after? What or what are you trying to tell me? You know, he tries to ask him questions like that. The man sort of thinks for a minute and then gets upset and then starts screaming at Frome and is like, the burning, the smell of burning flesh. Like, do you even know what that's like? I know what that's like. Don't tell me these burns aren't real. Stands up. Pulls his sleeve back and then reveals all these, like, rash, like, burn things all over his arm and stomps out. Iggy looks distraught because now Iggy has no idea who's telling the truth. He's right? clearly actually been in, in some sort of fire. Like, he's covered in scars. Um, And we're going to go back to Sharp, the mother, and the daughter. So Sharp tells the mother about the the biological – the difference, yeah. right? And she And she comes and says, like, okay, we've – to, to make absolutely sure we can take a DNA test. And as she's saying this, we realize the daughter who's like sleeping in the back, like resting in the back, she's done with surgery, overhears them. And then suddenly says, we don't need a DNA, or like, the mom says, we don't need a DNA test. This is my daughter. I don't, like, I know who she is. I don't need this. I don't need this from you. And then the daughter suddenly says, actually, I do want to take the test. And they turn around and notice she's awake and has yeah. been listening. Um, the mom and the daughter then 
get into a little bit of a fight. The mom is like, what, what are you saying? You know, you're my daughter. This is all we need and touches her. And then the daughter sort of snaps at her and says something like, like, look at our skin. We don't look like I don't look like you. I've always felt like I haven't been part of this family. I felt so out of place. Like, I want to know where I come from. And what she's alert, alluding to here is like both the daughter and the mother, they're both black. I will say the daughter, her like her skin tone is is darker. I think that's what she's alluding to is sort of like. I'm darker than everyone in the family. And so, like, that's, I've always felt, like, left out. Meanwhile, we go back to the ER. We've got Bloom and Dr. Bloom and Dr. Reynolds. We see Dr. Reynolds is working on someone's stitches. Someone just came in with some sort of cut on her forehead or something. And he's doing the stitches very slowly and gently. And Bloom has a problem with this. And then is like, you can't be working on those stitches like the whole time. You know, it, this is not about making it textbook perfect every single time we're a conveyor belt. We have patients coming in all the time. I, I really can't ask anything about like, is this how ERs work? Because clearly this is not how ERs work. Like earlier in this episode, <laughs> we hold drugs from the ceiling. <laughs> Take everything so. with a grain of salt, but. <laughs> right. But like something about, I was like, is this true? Like they just like. They do stitches as if they're in a war zone, like not well because they're in a rush. They're all waiting on Reynolds as if like if there's a more serious problem, don't you send Yo, it off what? to someone? Why is, like, why is Reynolds doing stitches? <laughs> he is a cardiothoracic <laughs> surgeon. He is probably the most expensive cardio. I mean, he's like salary. So he's getting paid the same. Like he's the most expensive cardiothoracic surgeon in the history of a New York hospital. Like that's insane. I mean, because he's like, I mean, sorry. Not, I mean, the, the most expensive like suture giver. Yeah. yeah. Like like an ER nurse could do that. That's not. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What is he What's doing? What's he doing? What? And after this, you have to clean right. the bedpan. Like. I- <laughs> And again, like I, I'm excited for the minute when he explodes because he handles this surprisingly yeah. chill in a way that I know I personally maybe would not have been, or at least like a TV character might not <laughs> yeah. have been early, early season. I know, I'm like, where are been. they taking this character? Like they, like they basically they haven't really been playing into chemistry between those two characters since like the first season. But like they, ha- they, mm. there was a time when they had banter. I mean, like. There's he he's giving her nothing like like they're not having him push back at all. I really hope it isn't a case of the writer is just sort of like, oh, yeah we forgot. forgot this is like a this character has a personality I forgot <laughs> shoot oh my god I forgot yeah. later we even see a, a different patient has come in something urgent is happening um, and it it requires surgery like not even sending him up to the to the other operating room we see we see it him being sent to the little like. The mini OR that's like in yeah. the ER room. Like it's like a little, you know. Um, and uh, she's like, we need Reynolds. Where's Reynolds? And someone goes, he's taking his lunch. And she goes, he's taking his <laughs> lunch. And then like, oh, fine, I'll do it. And then she like puts on her gloves and starts working on the guy. Reynolds comes back, bursts in and sort of like, what's going on? Like, what do you need? And he's like putting on, he's he's all washed up. He's ready for surgery. And she's like, did you enjoy your lunch? Very pointedly. He's like, yeah, well, I usually take lunch at one. And she's like, there's no lunch here. If you manage to have time to eat lunch, then you do it, but you're on the go and you might not ever yeah, eat, right, you know, right. or something like that. It feels it feels mean to call Ren, like to make it a personal failure that he went yeah. to go eat. It's just like, like I'm trying to like, it's like, who do you point the finger to? Like Max? Like, or no, I guess Max, is, he's the medical director, but like who's head of staffing? Like, 
Like, if, if the ER people can't take breaks, including Bloom, they are overworked. And they clearly have the money because they're paying Reynolds to, to, to make stitches. So <laughs> hire more doctors. <laughs> I mean, is there a shortage? Like, what is – I don't understand. And, like, That's nurses. That's a good point. Yeah. If, also, you hired – Aubrey Plaza in the middle yeah. of the hallway. Like, you've right. got money um, to just, just, like... I guess, like, HR. Like, someone... We just need some, <laughs> like, staffing help. And I'm sure Reynolds would love to be helpful in the place that he was, right. like, trained. Yeah. Or at least, like, go to a different hospital, maybe, because clearly they, like, don't need heart surgery. <laughs> I would love a spinoff um, of, like, Reynolds. He, he, he has, like, one of those, like, small-town hospital jobs. You know, like, the ones where he goes, like, a big city doctor goes to the small town and falls in love. Like, I would love that spinoff, like, for Reynolds. That's so cute. Oh, he gets a little yeah, Hallmark yeah. movie. <laughs> He's, like, a work-obsessed yeah. doctor that goes to a small But then small he finds, like, the meaning home. of community in, in this small town or something. and The meaning of Christmas. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that would be really good. I would love that for him. I hope that in between seasons we get a Christmas special, <laughs> like, the Dr. Reynolds Christmas special. <laughs> Three and three episode arc where he just like does a stint in like pediatrics in like a tiny town in Kansas or something. Yeah, and then like it's like basically not canon. Like no one mentions it ever again. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, it's not canon. They have the real actors do it, but it's not canon. It's- <laughs> it was a different universe. <laughs> Uh, where was I? What's happening? Okay, there's a person who's bleeding. Um, right. Okay, so he's working on the surgery in this room. She snips. She is snippy with him about the lunch. Um, but he gets to work anyway. Yeah. And uh, we're going to put a pause in this and go back to let's finish off um Sharp's plot here. Mm-hmm. So, um, with the daughter and the mother, I want to say like, this is why I'm like, did the blood issue ever become an actual issue? Because the fact that the daughter was fine, even though the mom couldn't donate blood because they didn't have the same type, <laughs> Yeah. I guess she really the, didn't the daughter need it was fine. that much. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's fine. Or maybe they were like asking her while she was there and she was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Maybe they, they were asking her to donate for other people and Sharp just happened to notice that it didn't match the daughters, but it wasn't necessarily for the daughters. I think it's it must be for her though because while she's asking her to get to donate blood, the mom says something like, "I'd do anything for my little baby." People say I'm so melodramatic, but I'd do anything for my baby. That's oh weird. yeah, I noted that because it was a weird like, "Here's my personality" kind of line. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. People say I'm melodramatic. Oh, and, the, and there's like a callback from it in like in like the next scene, and we're like, oh. That was not long enough for a callback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not an inside joke yet. <laughs> Guys, we're not there yeah. yet. <laughs> you can we're not like on the melodramatic one. Like we don't, we yeah. don't have that kind of connection. Oh, <laughs> uh, remember when she was like really melodramatic? <laughs> yeah. Also, I just want to like I want to let you know I got distracted just a second ago because I was just like, what is on my shoulder? And it was a piece of dried mango. <laughs> <laughs> on my shoulder why was it there <laughs> why was it there Polly why did that happen why did you put that there I don't know that was really bizarre <laughs> anyways well, I, you looked at it and you just started smiling <laughs> I was like funny. what is this you know were you eating dried mango today? I mean I was I was eating dried mango but yeah it's still weird like it's not as weird if I if I wasn't eating dried mango that'd be really weird <laughs> it'd be <laughs> Uh, I I forgot where we were, but uh, 
I don't, I, I distracted us with my mango. No, it's okay. I'm glad you pointed that out because I would I would want to know why you were smiling at your shoulder. Okay, so um, let's finish up the sharp plot, yes. right? So sharp uh, says we don't have to do a DNA test, but I could do a biopsy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why would you need to do a biopsy? And she says like because it'll solve everything, which is like a lovely. Tease. Or she goes, or, or or because you could both be right or something. That's what she says. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and we're like how. <laughs> Would you like to explain what the solution is after she does the biopsy? Yeah. So what she discovers is that the mom, when the mom was in utero, like was a fetus, she had a fraternal twin that uh, didn't make it past utero, like but didn't didn't develop, I guess. Got and absorbed. so yeah, so like no one knew that it was like ever there in the first place, and. Um, but she got, yeah, she absorbed some of the twins' like DNA. Um, she ate her twin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, sorry, that's not very nice. Um, so, so she, <laughs> she absorbed her twin, and then um, that is why the daughter has two sets of DNA at the same time. And um, <laughs> and then Sharp is like, you're actually, this actually makes you more your mom's daughter <laughs> why <laughs> i know i think it makes her the same I, her mom's daughter i know i um i'd like to question that statement i, I would say she's like the same amount her the daughter it's, yeah <laughs> i think she's because she not like like let's genuinely yeah. ask listeners let us know what what is it about you having the dna of your mom's eaten twin <laughs> that makes you like more of your mother <laughs> Yeah, is that a is that like a psychological? Because you are what you eat. Yeah, (laughs) is that an allusion to a novel? Like what? What is that? (laughs) Should we be picking up on something? What is she referring to here? Right. And they both seem to understand because they smile at each other and like make up immediately. Yeah, problem solved. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like the daughter's issues with like not feeling. Like, she belongs. Solved. <laughs> solved. For her to be like, I want to know where I really belong because I don't feel like I belong with my mother. That is a strong feeling. But now that she's found out that her mom's eaten her twin, <laughs> she's like, everything's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, I feel like they forgot to write this scene and had the actors improvise and then t- and yeah, did no. one take. <laughs> it wasn't we totally got it. fleshed out. Can I take a moment to Google Chimera? Because she says it's a Chimera. What's a chimera? And I want to know if that's real. Real definition. She like she comes in and she says, you're a chimera. Oh. But I thought a chimera was like a mythical thing. Oh. <laughs> you are a centaur. <laughs> you are a centaur. <laughs> I just got that. We're walking in. You are a three-headed dog. Okay, <laughs> Okay, how do you look camera? Because I keep I keep I keep typing and deleting it and rewriting it the same way, which is just camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that can't be it. <laughs> it's not right this time, and it's not right the time after that. Either. Let's see. Okay, well, all I can I can't I, that term. I'm not seeing it yet. I can keep digging, but I, I oh oh yes, it is. Okay, here found it. Um, oh, yeah, chimerism. Okay. So C H I M E R I S M. Okay, so yes, okay, so a condition called chimerism, meaning she has two sets of DNA. I think it's a hard, I think it's a hard. Oh, chimerism, meaning she has two sets of DNA, each with the genetic code to make a separate person. 
um, yes, the career condition can happen during fetal development. In Mole's case, okay. she had a fraternal twin she absorbed in the womb. Okay, so 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 chimerism doesn't blah, blah blah. A baby born to an individual with chimerism can be more distantly related from a genetic perspective, as if they were a niece or nephew. So she's genetically related, like so she's darker because she has she may have more of her aunt's DNA or her not her aunt because it was never a baby, but like right, the, but the, like pretend the Eaton, what the Eaton twin. <laughs> okay, that yeah. makes sense. Also makes sharp. So much more confusing when she's like, you're even more of your mother. Because it sounds like <laughs> you're actually less a little bit mother. less, but still your mother's child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's how that ends, um, because that solves all of those deep seated issues. Hooray. We cut back to Bloom and Reynolds, and he is basically leading the surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, Bloom doesn't really know what she's doing. Uh, which makes sense because this is not her job. Um, I bring that up because there have been previous examples where she like insists on doing surgery yeah. but isn't a surgeon. Um, and she's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And then Reynolds kind of like talks her through it. And he's like, just do it by touch. Here's what you do. Go for it. Like whatever. Gives her guidance. And then at some point they need – the patient needs an aorta replaced or like a temporary aorta. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, we're going to do a temporary so-and-so graft at least until we can get him up into the OR to get like a – an actual graft. Um, and so he says, like, hand me that tube over there. And there's just, like, a little circular, like, plastic tube sitting on a table. <laughs> and it, someone hands it to him. He holds it, snips it, and then basically, like, inserts it <laughs> into mm-hmm. the heart. It's gross and weird. Yeah. But it was cool. It was it was cowboy in a good way. Yeah. Paul, cowboy Polly was there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I approved. Cowboy Polly approved. <laughs> yeah. But apparently that's the thing you can do is just, like, pick up a thing and <laughs> – Put it in a put it in a heart. <laughs> um, so, the, but the, it saves the day, and he's fine. And then they wheel him off. And Bloom looks really impressed by him. And again, Polly and I were like, "What was the point of this? Is this to show us that he's good at the job that we know that he's very good at?" Yeah. Is it to show? Is it? Is it to like humble? Is it to like have like Bloom be a little humbled? Like I, mm. I I'm not really sure what was going on. Is <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it happens, yeah. and then um, we we cut to them uh, later. Uh, having basically a debrief. You know, they're hanging out in the break room. Bloom says something like, we didn't work out personally, but professionally, we might have a future together or something like that. As if like they're learning to be partners, Mm -hmm. even though they have very different styles. I think that was like the takeaway we were supposed to have. That's not personally what I got. Now that you're saying it, I'm like, that makes sense. And cool but uh i feel like that could have been done better uh it's not exactly what we saw but like okay um (laughs) that's okay you tried your best (laughs) meanwhile bloom i'm just gonna sort of touch on a personal thing that's been happening in the background for bloom that we haven't talked about um so bloom has been keeping that woman in the closet but like (laughs) for for listeners just picking up on this on the show with us (laughs) Sorry. She <laughs> has given the closet space. <laughs> Sorry. Also, by the way, Bloom, Bloom is a woman held hostage. Has a kept woman in the closet. <laughs> she has given the closet space voluntarily to a woman who's voluntarily staying there. This woman, um, we've, we've met before in a few episodes. We learned that she is homeless, so Dr. Bloom has offered this closet space for her to sleep in. Um, the woman is leaving to go out somewhere, and she's going to take her bag with her. And Bloom's like, is kind of weirdly intense about the bag. She's like, why are you taking your bag with her? It's not like anyone's going to steal it. You can leave it here. Like, it's fine. And then the woman's like, 
okay, and then just decides to put it back on the shelf and kind of tucks it behind like a one of those dispensers for needles, like a sort of red box. She like tucks it behind the red box, which is also what I would do personally if I was leaving, if I had to leave something in a public space. Yeah. I mean, a closet is sort of still a public space. So yeah. it was like, I would also kind of like hide it. And then Bloom like makes fun of her for it. She's like, oh, wow, that's going to work. And then the woman just like leaves. I was like, this is a very strange response <laughs> to this woman being like, quit negging, Bloom. <laughs> Let her have her back by what? <laughs> Why does this bother you? And then sure enough, we're going to see later that the painters come in and they were like, oh, yeah, we were scheduled to repaint the closet because, like, that's a thing that happens in this hospital. That's where we're putting our money is we're going to repaint this closet that looked fine. (laughs) How about we hire more nurses for the ER? (laughs) We have an urgent problem. How about we get some more blood? (laughs) (laughs) No, Polly, this closet has to be immaculate. This closet no one uses has to be perfect. Um, so she and they've taken all the stuff out so she's like where's the backpack and they're like I don't know and she's like oh my god so in the background for this episode we've seen Bloom like looking for this backpack so anyway after this this plot with Reynolds happens and concludes we see the scene where her nurse friend who's always saving her ass comes in with the backpack and is like I saw that they were cleaning out the closet this looks like the thing that your friend has so I kept it aside and then makes a reasonable point which is like you're really putting your neck out for this woman who is a stranger like do you know anything about this woman and it's not like there's a reason necessarily to be suspicious like i think he worded it pretty fairly which is like it's not like there's anything wrong it's just like you don't know this person yeah you know what i mean you you don't know anything about her you don't even know what's in the bag right it's like not that there's anything questionable it's just like you know nothing but you're doing a lot for this person and have not asked her like any questions the nurse is like basically the new sharp like remember when like sharp was giving everyone like life advice now sharp has like her own like plots so the nurse is like that guy who's just like here's some here's some like reason (laughs) (laughs) he 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 always makes sense he's a nice guy i i hope we get more of him yeah me too and i hope one day you and i learn his name (laughs) yeah He's an, I do like him. I like him a lot. I think he's the most reasonable person. Right. Sometimes he gives hard truths, but they're not to be mean. They're to they're to help. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I say I say sometimes I make really good points. So <laughs> sometimes I'm like really fucking smart. <laughs> Anyways, just thought I'd say that. So thank you. Um, hey, no problem. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, you're so the backpack. Um, and leaves and then she confronts the woman at the end of the episode and in a in I, in a way that I don't think the nurse was encouraging her to do where she's aggressive she's like what's in the bag or the woman's like did you go through it and she's like should I have is there anything you're hiding and the woman opens it up and is like these are just my clothes and Bloom very naively is like why were you so protective of it I'm like, this woman's homeless. Why do you think she's protective of it? Like, what what are we missing here? It's like, it's her bag of stuff. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's a writing thing. Like, she could have, they could have, yeah. They could have had that come out way more organic. Like, you know, that yeah. she, for her to be like, this is everything I own. Also, or, or not, or we could have assumed it. Anyway, the reveal happens. And then Bloom sort of is apologetic and puts the things back in the bag. And is like, it's just that I don't know anything about you. You know, you never like speak with me or something like that. The woman shares two facts about herself. And what are they, Polly? Um, that she likes Punjabi rap mm-hmm. and Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> quirky. So quirky. <laughs> it's like, 
Okay. <laughs> I guess it's sweet. It's like, I mean, look, I, am I shipping this couple? Yes. So I guess I'm like pleased that we like skipped right to the quirky, flirty stuff. But it's like, I just don't believe that that's how that conversation went. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. be like, here, I'm going to tell, like, you asked me to tell you something about yourself. Or said, I wish I knew something about you. And then you, like, share these, like, two fun facts. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Honestly, I'm excited for... I'm excited for we it. We need some I, romance. Unfortunately, we're going to have no keep... romance in this show. If I was really just interested in medicine, I would... I don't know, like... Uh, uh, maybe be a doctor. I'm not... I don't know. <laughs> I'm not actually that interested in medicine, Okay. <laughs> That assumes that I could be a doctor, that I, like, Yeah, the reason the that you're not a doctor is just It's just because I would rather like, watch romance. Yeah. <laughs> there are other reasons why I'm not a, doc- why I'm not a two, doctor. Those are the but. two ends of the spectrum of that personality trait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you either like romance or medicine. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I like, I don't know. I like both, but I, what I, I would rather, I I'd would rather, rather have some, have some, some romance. romance. Yeah. Yeah, we have many careers, but, you know. Um, So, yeah, hopefully we get that here. I see the seeds being planted. We're really excited for it. This is our – it's like last season we were so excited for Bloom and J.J. Fields. Excuse me. I just (laughs) – J.J. Field does that to me too. (laughs) (laughs) Brings that out of people. Yeah. He takes my breath away. Yeah, um, he takes my breath away. <laughs> um, yeah, that man. And we, we like, got, like, crumbs. Right. This is our frustration this season. It's like, I want to see this now. Yeah. We deserve this. And, like, with J.J. Fields, obviously, you know, it's an NBC show, but – and so it's not – there's it's not going to be, like – there's not going to be no real smut or whatever, but it was a little bit, like – there was kissing. Like, there was a little bit racy. And maybe that's also what – like, why these things are such slow burns is because mm. we're, we're, like, now used to these, like, to HBO and, like, Prime mm-hmm. and Netflix even, where things can, like – they can show a little more. And so, like, you can develop, like, the, the, the grand finale doesn't have to be, like, a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I'm not even seeing tension except for, like, every once in a while. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But they're just like, give us people. more. Come on. Come you on. Have, they have a, it's, a, it's like a cast of mm-hmm. attractive people. Like, there's a lot of coupling they could do. You know That's what true. I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who could hook up. Very true. Um, we're going to finish off Rome, and then we're going to do our b clothes really quick. <laughs> Anyways, just, just some thoughts. Did you want me to put a better segue on that? Was my segue not? <laughs> no, it was just like, no, I was just like, yeah, that, that, that's about it. That's, that's, there's not, there's not a whole lot to go from there. Yeah, I said, I said my piece. I said, <laughs> I said what I need to say. I said what I need to say. I came in yeah, here and I said what I need I to say. I said it. I, said I burped it. what I needed to say. <laughs> I've given all I have. Of this. I laid it all on the table tonight. <laughs> we are being completely vulnerable. With Listeners, you're seeing yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a hard transition to make <laughs> to what happens with Rome. Yeah, because it's a heavy one. It's a heavy one. Do you want to do the scene where he he gets the call, goes outside, and then the last yeah. scene where he like takes him to the like treatment like those are the last two scenes we see of this yeah so 
Okay, so Frome is walking in the stairwell and he gets a call. And we can set, we can tell from the look on his face that, uh, and, and what he says that he's just received a call from that patient he was talking to earlier. And there's, he's, something's wrong. He's going to do something. And Frome's like, don't do it. So then we go outside and we see, um, the patient from earlier. This is the, the guy who said he was in, in Iraq or no, Afghanistan, but was, not maybe and um, oh wait uh, sorry i should confirm at this point we do know that he was not in afghanistan because when Iggy oh, confronted right. him he pulled up the sleeve i forgot to mention he mentioned he checked with the va he checked with all the records it's like this man was not right, ever okay. deployed yeah so we know that he is not and um but from runs outside that that man has uh pulled his his car around his truck around and he's pouring gasoline on himself and he pulls out a lighter and he's about to light himself on fire. Emily and I were like, oh my God, oh my God, mm-hmm, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was suspense. Like it was, it was tense. It was wild. And Frum's like, don't, and like Frum's like obviously hor- like horrified. He's so like freaked out. And, um, he's like, don't, don't do that. And the guy is like, uh, you, like, this is your fault. Like you didn't believe me. No one believes me. And anyways, we, what we basically learn in this like really tense moment is that, um, from manages to like, well, so his lighter doesn't work. So yeah, he's having gets, trouble. So has some time to talk to him and like talks, he, it, you know, gets yes. things at him. He's having trouble like getting the lighter to, to start. And so from tries to deescalate and, um, he's like, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I believe that you were actually in a fire. I, you know, he's like, he doesn't say I believe that you were at war, but he's like, I believe you that there is something here. Um, like, uh, you know, where, what happened basically? And the guy says, I, I'm from upstate New York and I w- was drunk and I was smoking a cigarette and I dropped my cigarette in the barn and it caught the barn caught on fire and before i knew it it had it also caught the house on fire and his brother his sister and his parents all died they were all killed in the fire and so that's why he no he he does truly know the smell of burning flesh and he does have this like fire trauma um but he's been he's he's had this like um story that he's been saying because he's like trying to convince i guess others and himself maybe that like He's not like he's because he's so overcome with guilt about this um this event. And Frome's like, it's it was an accident. Um and kind of de-escalates and manages to grab hold of the lighter. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a very honestly, it was a very intense scene. I it thought was very intense. I, I was definitely like, oh my it, yeah. I will say it was also very well acted. Like we have to give credit yeah. when that happens and like Yeah. And I want to give him a special shout out to our, our boy Tyler here, Tyler Levine. Tyler Levine. Doing yeah. it. Fan of the podcast. Sort Fan of. of the pod. <laughs> it was really good. And then and then and then like the final scene with Rome basically is that we see him pull the card out of his pocket that he was received from the doctor at the very beginning in, in the cold open. And mm-hmm. like the, who's who's gonna be who's like a, a food doctor and he um He's going to call her is sort of the implication. And I think it's sort of like he saw this happen with his guy and was like, I need to get help because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, if I don't face my demons, something bad can happen. So, yeah. And the, and the, the patient has been sent off somewhere. I don't know where exactly, but he's in some sort of intensive care, something. Um, so yeah, that is the end of Frome. That is the end of Sharp. And that is the end of Bloom and Reynolds. Ooh, busy show. Busy show. Okay. We've got two B-plots to go through super quick. Are you ready for Max? Yes. 
All right, <laughs> Max has been trying to get a blood donation set up. And it's so funny because every time we cut to Max, he's got like goofy jazz music playing, but everybody else gets like the tense music. Yeah. And it's just such a fun position <laughs> of like, meanwhile, and then we just see like Max doing Max things. So like he has tried to get people in the door to do the blood drive, right? And so he has decided to do it in the simplest and most straightforward way possible. Which is to like, give, <laughs> which is to entice people there by giving them dogs. So the first decision he makes is we're gonna have dogs here, and he's like pitching it to the assistant that he just hired. So he says something like, "Oh, the dogs will be here to basically babysit from the kids uh, while the parents are here to donate their blood. It'll be a great time, and everyone loves puppies. Isn't that great?" And then they round the corner to this big empty space that says like, "Donate your blood today," and there's just a bunch of empty chairs and a couple of nurses. And a tiny little pen in the corner that's got, like, three dogs and, like, a bunch of newspapers put down. (laughs) I also – I don't think they ever discuss, like, how the word is getting out. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, what's the advertising? How do we know? Right. So, like, just putting dogs in a room doesn't just, like, draw people in. Right. It also – I feel like – I feel like – and I could be wrong. I feel like there was a line where he was like, we need the patients who are here for other stuff to give blood, Um, which is also, like, that – First of all, that, did, that didn't come out when in the scene that we'll, we'll get to next where mm-hmm. someone gives a rationale for why they're not, why they're not giving blood. But mm-hmm. there is, I feel like there is a, – a rationale could be I'm here for other stuff and, I, and it's already hard. I'm, I'm at the hospital for something yeah. serious and that is emotionally taxing. So I'm like not actually totally in the mood to um, have another needle stuck in my arm. But um, – That's a good point. Anyways, that's not, that's not explored. Although yeah, that, that's a very that could point. be a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is no mention that this has like been open to the, the like the more general public or being advertised to like the rest of New York. <laughs> right. <Is> it, yeah. <laughs> that's a very good point. That is an excellent point. But this is his his solution is like, oh, well they'll they'll feel more open to giving blood if there's like puppies here. So yeah. um, but it doesn't work. So he's like, we gotta think big. We cut away, go to the other plots, and then when we come back. The goofy music has started again, and they're doing the blocking again. They're, like, coming around the corner, and he's like, this is going to work. I, you know, what are we going to do? What do people love? Free meals. So we're going to give people free food Mm -hmm. from a Michelin – like, it's not just any sort of snack. It's, like, a five-course meal from a Michelin star chef. I, like, called in so-and-so, and and she was down. She sent some of her, like – she sent some of her crew for free and some food for free to, like, donate to the cause. And like, this is going to be great. Here we go. They turn the corner. Guess what, Polly? It's empty. (laughs) (laughs) Except now there's like a buffet. Yeah. (laughs) There's still like three dogs. Like one of the dogs like has gotten loose. So it's like running around. Yeah. And then there's just a buffet of like cold food and chefs just standing there. And he's like, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) How is this not a roaring success? Yeah, it's, it's wild. The third thing he tries is like a singing group. Like an acapella group, there's and they're singing like kind of gospel sounding music. He's and 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 it does not work. The scene starts with the assistant being like, "No one wants to like, no one likes this environment, even if there's food and dogs. Like, there's just sounds of sirens and people crying." And he's like, "You know what'll drown out the sounds of ambulances and people crying? Broadway." And then he's like, "We have some like singers who their show is closed for the pandemic." who have, like, come here to give That's us right. a special performance. And they all have, like, masks and stuff or whatever. And they're just, like, doing acapella. It's not working. None of these things work. <laughs> no one is there. The the, the the food thing was the best uh, yes. thing. Like, I okay. 
like we so we would do blood drives and um there was always i was always stoked because there, 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 there would be these like huge snack tables because they want you to eat like the red cross whatever they want you to eat after you've given blood so that you don't faint because you just gave blood Mm. That was not a bad idea. I don't think – I think mm. there's a lot of other executional error issues. Like, again, <laughs> we don't know how the word was being spread. Because um, we're also, in a sort of like warehouse. we will be room. given a rationale for why, for, for why New Amsterdam writers think people aren't giving blood. And I don't know if that's <laughs> the reason. <laughs> yeah, so let's get to that and then you can, you can paraphrase here. So yeah. he sees a bunch of people at the door kind of like looking confused – like, they're sort of, like, looking at each other and kind of, you know, tentatively coming in. And he has a weirdly aggressive response to this where he's like, hey, hey, you. And walks over and he's like, you guys, you know, we've we've rolled out everything for you. We have the food. We got singers. We got dogs. Like, what would it take to get you guys to donate blood? Like, almost like a tantrum. I mean, he, like, yeah. he's, like he, he sounds really angry. He's just, yeah. like, very aggressive. And then what exactly does she say? We've – I'm homeschooling my kids. We're in a – like, we've just gone out of a global pandemic, and then I've been attending protests and every cause, and, like, I'm exhausted, and I'm tired, and I don't – and I can't – and all we have – yeah, we've given all – we've everything has changed, and all we have left is our blood or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, I, I'm a regular – I'm a regular blood donor. I, I think it's really important. I think it's great. Um, I was also <laughs> tired during the pandemic, um, but that did not, that was not why I was not actively donating blood. I was not actively donating blood because I, because during the height of the pandemic, you didn't want to go and catch COVID. Right. And they also weren't running clinics. So you weren't going to hospitals, but in the setting, this is not set in the height of pandemic. Mm. They, 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 like when they started the, ep- the, like the new season, they were like, this is pandemic is almost over in this world. Right. Like we're like that's largely not vaccinated. a fear. And, and I can also tell you as a blood donor, I was never like, oh, I'm too tired from going to like a BLM march to donate blood. <laughs> that, that is not, that was never my thought process. And I don't believe that that was anybody else's thought process. I just don't believe it. <laughs> I know. Whose reaction would this be? Like, who's being seen in this moment? Because, yeah. like, that's not the same um, area of energy of, like, donating to, like, social justice causes. It's not the same energy that goes into, like, donating blood that you can't do. And then also, like, the only thing I have left is my blood. As if, like... You're going to make more. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, save a life. Like, calm down. And it's going to take five <laughs> minutes. I've never heard the discourse, like, I can't donate blood because I'm too, like, tired from worrying about social justice. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what? No. <laughs> no, you're not. I just admit no, that you not. don't want to give blood. Like, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. At least, <laughs> like, you're a bit of needles and that's okay. Like, yeah. that's its own thing and, like, admit it. You think needles are spooky. It's fine. <laughs> I love when the writers try to guess how humans react to things. <laughs> it's like, don't you know? <laughs> so he looks defeated. You're going to have to walk me through the – he looks defeated and walks away and he's like, everybody pack it in. And then mm-hmm. the assistant comes up with an explanation, with a, with a solution. You're going to have to walk me through this. What is the solution that gets people in the door to donate? So, it, so people don't, it. so it's not, <laughs> no, he, there is no solution. No one gets in the door to donate. The people who are lined up are all the people who came to work it. So like, and they're friends. So he's like, so what, what she explains is the people who made the food, the singers, all, they were like, 
oh, we've come to give something. We're here to help. But really, the help he actually needs is our blood. And so they donate and they call and, and then they've called their friends. So it's like the people who are already like working the event and their friends. That's who's who's like donating. Um, and then so that is the the end of, of Max's plot. At the end, we see that he's like overseeing all the donations. Sharp has come in and I think Daniel Day Kim is like giving blood and like eating from the buffet or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we don't have to be awkward around each other, you know. And Max is like, no, we don't. I was just thought you you would tell me. And she's like, oh, you like like you tell me things. And they have this back and forth conversation. As as we had said when we were watching, it was like totally normal conversation. It was like the most yeah. normal conversation yeah. I think we heard the whole episode. It was it was really nice, actually. That yeah. brief moment. But that brief moment, which is then interrupted by Daniel Day Kim coming over in his dulcet tones and saying, My lady, will you have this do- well, can I have this dance? And she's like, ha, sure. And then like interrupts Max and to go like dance to like waltz with Daniel Day Kim in front of Max and like giggle and have a good time. And Max just looks like the saddest saddest man i've ever seen <laughs> yeah i'll take it it's that it's the right the right tension building i'm i'm okay with it the last day plot i'm only going to mention super fast and say really quick because it's actually not one of our main characters but is a character who might be becoming more central so let me just mention it in case yes so dr kapoor is not in this season but the it's the in-universe explanation seems to be always oh, recovering from covid yeah you know whatever um so in the meantime, we've seen his assistant basically take over. She's like been unofficially just running the show. And Max has not like prom- like made her interim or anything. Um, and then a case comes along where she's trying to work on this with this woman who like was having sight issues. And she says it's because she works in a plastic factory that's like kind of off the books. So there's not a lot of safety involved. And maybe that's what's happening. And so she has this moment where they're doing a scan again to try and figure out what's going on. And she has this moment of like, I just don't know what to do. Like Dr. Kapoor would have known what to do. And the the MRI technician says something like, yeah, he would have or something. Like he says something like weird. Like it's like, yeah. Yeah, like suddenly in this one episode, Dr. Kapoor is like this legend. <laughs> Without precedent, he's this like legend in the hospital. Yeah, like no offense, but like <laughs> really <laughs> anyway she suggests as she's talking to her the woman she notices the woman like flinches when she gets close and then the woman admits like she was attacked and then she says like oh you might have actually damaged your liver if they hit your Mm -hmm. abdominal area and that's what would be causing the problems and then they solve the case and so she's telling it to max and he's like you know what you're the interim head now and then leaves and she's great i i have nothing else to say about that is a sure like i mean i yeah okay i don't know why she wasn't the interim head honestly because like she's clearly a capable doctor i don't you know so i mean she was like super like you know the the character introduction is she's like super insecure and doesn't have the confidence and Mm. then like now that she hopefully now she has the confidence to rise into the role or whatever but right exactly and that's that and that is that That so 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 that is that For today's showdown, <laughs> who throws a who pulls off a better shindig? <laughs> Dr. Max Goodwin or the Great Gatsby? Two minutes on the clock starting now. So Max pulls off the better shindig because he does it um same day he throws together a uh very honorable shindig. 
Um, and he does it all on a shoestring budget because everyone's just donating their time. The puppies he mentions are already there for uh, something else. <laughs> and the, his friend catered, and then these singers, I guess, were around. So, re- like, he did it on a shoestring budget, and mm-hmm. that's efficient, which is makes it a good shindig, mm-hmm. I, I would, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I love when my shindigs are efficient. Yeah, right. It's it's um it's using public space like it's in this it's u- using That's this hospital true. so it's public in theory it's accessible it's accessible like it's not in a private home mm-hmm. on East Egg it is yeah. in a hospital that anyone could enter right uh, very inclusive yeah and it's yeah. hard to throw a good shindig like it's easy to throw a shindig in like East Egg where it's like everyone's got these luxurious houses and pools and beautiful like like that's easy because like the location's yeah. already beautiful it's yeah. hard to throw a good shindig in like a hospital I think it's the hardest place that you try to like have a party then have people have fun in it but people yeah. do like they stick around they had food they're dancing they're giggling at the end like they had good music you know and the yes. party has stuff that's like actual broadway singers michelin star chef like those are some things that you might not get at like a big fancy party at a swanky apartment mansion you know and this is right these is like exclusive things that he got. you get the resources you get the the resources of a manhattan hospital yeah exactly which is so. very Impressive. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. I would say one other thing, and maybe it's a reach, but I would say, here's a follow me. Come with me as we as we do this. So in in Great Gatsby, you know, there, there's that quote. I think it's Daisy. She says, Oh, we're going over. But I'll I'll leave out it's a bonus. If you uh, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> and, maybe we'll, and also maybe we'll cut this. <laughs> So, so Daisy has this line where she's like, I lo- I think it's – I'm pretty sure this is Daisy and I'm pretty sure it's Gatsby. And she's like, I hate um, intimate parties. I love crowded parties. They're so – no, no, no. I hate small parties. I love crowded parties. They're so much more intimate, which is a line I actually really, really love and, and I and I agree with it because like when you're at a, cr- a big crowded party, you can find your friends and feel really private and you don't have to feel so exposed like you are in a small mm. party. Anyways – but for the sake of – for Max's sake, I would say this is a very empty party and it is very intimate anyway mm. because Max has a heart-to-heart kind of with Sharp despite not having a lot of people. And therefore, it is a superior mm. shindig because he doesn't need the crowds to, to have, have people feel like they, they can be intimate. Mm, to foster vulnerability and connection. 